Tushigan, and I'm here to introduce the next episode of the podcast that you will you greatly... You need to stop that. Excuse me, Mr. Mr. Guinness, I'm trying to do an introduction. Rita, you are still alive, so you're going to have to leave now. Go back to the land of the living. This is for the land of the dead. <laughs> I don't want this baby! <laughs> you can't have it. I'm keeping it. Now listen, I've not interrupted a podcast in a long time. A long time. Uh, or an introduction. But today I had to, because last week's movie didn't have anybody that I personally thought was worthy of introducing this week's film with an old friend of mine. So, sit back, relax, and get ready to see my old drinking buddy, Ollie Reed, and his old bud, Al Bates, in a movie that I've not seen in quite a long time. That movie is called Women in Love. And it's not what you think, so stay tuned. Thank you. These intros get crazier and crazier every single week. I know, I... uh... I don't know how we lucked into these people, but also, it's really weird. My apologies to Rita Tushingham. Uh, she's a lovely woman. She, she, I don't know why she's still a child. Yeah, well, she. there's a lot of psychological issues that I'm sure she's had to deal with over the years from being in this movie and being in Dr. Zhivago and, and standing in the presence of Alec Guinness. I mean, how is that? How do you come back from that? By the way, I now want a crossover film with her character from Taste of Honey with the character from Kess. The kid? I think they should hook up. Ooh. That's, um... I mean, okay. That's they, illegal, I, I guess the kid is a little young. I forgot about that. <laughs> Although he's still... Well, I mean, that's the thing. The kid is still alive, and Rita Tushingham is still alive. So, you know what? We could have some, some 70, 80-year-old sex going on. Uh, so this is a podcast. I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. And this is, uh, For Screen... And Country. And on this here podcast, we talk about the... Top 100 movies. In fact, the top 100 British movies. In fact, the top 100 British movies of all time. As of 1999. Yes, according to the BFI, the British Film Institute. Yes, as of 1999. You're not going to see any Shaun of the Deads or Hot Fuzzes on this list because this was made years before. So what you're saying is in the last 20 years, the only movies that would have gotten on this list are movies that involve Simon Pegg and Nick Nick Frost. Frost. Yeah, Correct. Okay. At World's End, didn't make it. A little too late. (laughs) Uh, Baby Driver, I guess that's not a British movie. (laughs) But it was made by Edgar Wright, so does it count? It sure does. What if that movie was made by Edgar Winter? But that's a different podcast. I think it might go a little bit something like this. Free ride. But Jason, this week, we're talking about a movie uh, on the list. Mm -hmm. But before we get to that, we need to talk about last week's movie, which was a little... A taste of honey. A little taste of honey. Just a little taste. Let's have a little taste of comments. Yes, Jason. A little taste of comments is the right way to appropriate this because much like last week, not a lot of people have seen this movie. I understand. It's a, it's a bit of an obscure one, I suppose, especially on this side of the pond. On um, Yes. It is a big pond. It is a very big pond. With two little dudes. And the remnants of many U-boats. And... I just want to say, uh, before we get into the comments, I am an idiot. I'm not saying anything. Nothing? Okay. Because last week I said that Dora Bryan was the one who won Most Promising Newcomer at the BAFTAs. That was not true. What it was, it was Rita Tushingham in the lead role, of Same. course, that won Most Promising Newcomer Wasn't at Dora the BAFTAs. was Dora Bryan like an older lady? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I said that. I don't know why. Dora Bryan had won Best Actress at the BAFTAs. Well, I'm dumb too because I didn't pick up on it. Well, we're just a couple of dummies. 
And that's why you listen to this podcast. For Screen and Dump Tree. Yay! For Screen and Dump Truck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's... I just want to get that out of the way. Okay, go to the comments. Our first one here is from John Schroeder. uh, Ricky's father, I'm assuming. Or brother. Ricky Schroeder, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beautiful movie. Rita Tushingham and Dora Bryan, both heartbreaking. Great Tony Richardson, er, English early 60s realism. Would have loved to have seen Angela Lansbury in the Broadway production in the Dora Bryan part. Yeah, but that sounds pretty fucking cool. I wonder how many murders happened in the course of that play. <laughs> hmm. Taste of honey. <laughs> do, 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 do. Early pregnancy. So sweet, so sweet. It's Beauty and the Beast, no. dummy. She sings it. Come on! You kids in your movies. It's from like 90, 90 <laughs> Damn your 30-year-old movie, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as old as we are. Yeah. Uh, next one is from Susan Sinioski. She says, I love this movie. Yes, it has all of the above. I mentioned in the in the uh, article, the teenage pregnancy, homosexuality, interrelation, inter- Racial relationships. I hope someone cut in just then to my tone when I said interracial relationships. Interracial relationships! Uh, It's just like, wow, that guy is super racist. (laughs) I'm turning this podcast off. He's really amped up about race, uh, interracial relationships. I am. It's, yeah, it's half my life. (laughs) But anyway, uh, yeah, has all the above and must have been quite shocking at the time. Yeah, I think that was a major part of what we said. Yeah, it it hit a lot of the controversial points. It uh, it was like a checklist of them. uh, In 1961. And I enjoy the idea that maybe part of it was, at least in the writer or director's heart, there was a little bit of wanting to ruffle that uh, upper crust British uh, uh, feathers, you know. Well, if you remember, too, uh, the writer of that play was, I think we said she was like 17 when she wrote it. So so most of that dialogue and stuff is coming from the play. The director... Hardly changed a thing. Wow. That's impressive that a 17-year-old managed to pull that off. All right, what does uh, Tracy Lee Brown have to say? Tracy Lee Brown says, I love this movie! What, is she Oprah? Yes. Uh, Rita has one of the great film debuts. Yeah, she does. There's a debut for you! And a debut for you! Debuts for everybody! And then here's a car that you have to pay taxes. And Ed Hawks says... Ed Hawks! I mean, we did talk about this, but I wanted to mention it anyway. Morrissey is a fan of the author. From Wikipedia, quote, in 1986, the Smiths lead singer and lyricist Morrissey said, I've never made any secret of the fact that at least 50% of my reason for writing can be blamed on Sheila Delaney. The lyrics of The Night Has Opened My Eyes are a retelling of the plot of A Taste of Honey, using many direct quotes from the play. Morrissey chose a photo of Delaney as the artwork on the album cover for the Smiths' 1987 compilation album, Louder Than Bombs, as well as the single girlfriend in a coma. The single, the single, the single girlfriend, girlfriend in a coma. Not his single girlfriend in a coma. <laughs> I just coma. read what they put on the prompter. I, I don't think about tone. <laughs> not only is that absurd, it doesn't even make any sense. A single girlfriend? <laughs> My girlfriend is single. Yes. As well as having a single girlfriend in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite misreading ever. All right, I'm happy to oblige. Uh, Heather Sagal. I'm gonna say Sagal because there's Segal? two G's. Sagal, yeah, Sagal. Sagal. If it's wrong, holla. Sejal. Sejal. 
I learned about the movie via wondering about the cover photo of Louder Than Bombs. Sad to see Morrissey turn into such a turkey, but he did give me a lot as a teen. Yeah, Morrissey's kind of a douche nozzle now, but... You know. I, I like calling him a turkey. That's just, that's a very understated way of describing him. He's a turkey! <laughs> He's a bit of a turkey. Alright, last one here from David Markham. What does David Markham say? David Markham says, this is on my list along with it's a bunch our, of... Ours too! Yeah! Our list too! Come on, friend! Be So it's on his list. Uh, this is on my list, along with a bunch of films from the British New Wave, along with Look Back in Anger, Billy Liar, A Room at the Two, A Room at the Top. My bad. I think that's Brennan's fault, you piece of shit. Uh, the Sporting Life, The Killing of Sister George, and The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. And I just want to say, out of all of those, one, two, only two of those are not on our list. Does anyone know of a streaming service that would be a good repository of these for us Yanks? And this is why I wanted to mention this. Archive.org for a lot of the older ones. <laughs> you might find some stuff, but if you want to... Uh, they're not a sponsor, but I don't mind mentioning them. Criterion Channel. Check out the fucking Criterion Channel. You will get most of those on there. Yeah, so if you're a movie fan, you're probably familiar with the Criterion Collection, and uh, I've personally have spent a lot of money on their products over the years. Uh, <laughs> you're doing a full-on testimonial. <laughs> doing a full-on testimonial here. Uh, Jason McCloud, not an actor. Their their edition of Fear and Loathing is one of my favorite DVDs. Yes, and the online uh, system is very good, and they have most of their titles that I've ever had a Criterion release. Most of them are on the website. Plus, they put other stuff that's not necessarily Criterion. So... David Markham, if you're looking for that shit, head on over to the Criterion.com slash channel. And I don't know if it's still worth any money, but if anybody has a Criterion copy of Spinal Tap that's been out of print for like 15 years, that what used to be worth some money. That and, what was it, Solo. Those are the two big ones. But I think they've actually reprinted Solo since. But we're not talking about the Criterion that, collection. That sounds like a hell of a double feature. Yeah, Solo with... <laughs> and Spinal Tap. Yeah. I don't know. How do you how do you run that? Do you, I think you put Spinal Tap at the end so that people leave happy. I don't know, but it just gives whole new meaning to the line. These go up to 11. These go up to 11. Jesus. <laughs> Whoo! Because A night solo, of extremes, we'll call most this. Of, most of the kids don't go past 11. <laughs> oh, there's underage rape in that movie. Yeah. So, Jason, this is the last thing we do here. Before we move on to this week's film, Women in Love. Um, we like to compare A Taste of Honey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, because I don't know if I ever told you this before. No, no, fill me in. I, I need to be refreshed. Okay. We like to compare A Taste of Honey, which is number 56 on the list. Yes, sir. The BFI, to the old AFI. Yes. Which, number 56 is Jaws. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll say it. <laughs> don't you dare. It's A Taste of Honey by a landslide. Well, it has to be. And, and the only reason is because I've never actually seen Jaws. Yeah, now Brennan has his head in his hands. He is looking into it. It is one of my film blind spots, and it's one of those things that it's like it's been so long since I've watched it. I just or, or since I I, I mean I shouldn't say I, I've tried to watch it once with a friend of mine, but we didn't finish it. But yeah, I've never seen it. I know about it because how can you not fucking know about it? We need to break a rope, Brennan. How? Also, you have to understand that I saw. How? Uh, as a child, I watched some of Jaws the Revenge, and you... it scared me so hard that I couldn't go back. You've seen Jaws 4. No, some of Jaws 4. But not any of Jaws 1. I've, I've seen, I think, the first, like, ten minutes of Jaws. That's one of my one of my uh, film blind spots for sure. The answer is Jaws. <laughs> for me. And Jason will say the same once he's seen it, which... <laughs> 
I guess we'll have to be soon. All right, I guess I've seen got... a lot of other Spielberg films. I sure. guess I saw 1941. I guess we got... you see 1941 <laughs> on <about> Jaws. <laughs> yes, that is correct. You've watched The English Patient, <laughs> yeah. but, not but not Jaws. Not Jaws, no. You watched A Taste of Honey. I did, but not Jaws. No, sir. <laughs> oh my God! Wow, this is uh, eye-opening. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> Guys, that is it. We're moving on. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get past this. Uh, we're moving on, so let's talk about this week's movie, Jason. Let's get into it. Ollie Reed, Alan Bates, Women in Love. Mm, get ready for a sweaty time. That's right, folks. Uh, this you, week's. That's right, folks. If you if you were listening to the music, you guessed it. We're doing. <laughs> I know. I always. <laughs> I always start that as if you know. <laughs> that iconic theme song yeah. that everybody knows. Yeah. Who are you gonna call? Women in love. <laughs> uh, yeah. So of course you know because you heard the music. You know the movie we're talking about this week is number eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. You sucked eighty-seven dicks. I did. Eighty. Oh, okay. Yeah. No judgment. That's that's actually kind of You impressive. should judge me and judge me like gold medal. Gold medal. Gold medal dick sucking. <laughs> that's my new punk band. <laughs> uh, number 87 on the list. Di- uh, directed by Ken Russell, who is it's only his only movie on the list. Really? Uh, Women in Love, 1969, which I thought was funny because it was 69 and yes. based on the content of this movie. And based on the D.H. Lawrence novel from the early part of the 20th century, I believe. Yes. And it stars Alan Bates uh, as Rupert, Oliver Reed as his friend Gerald, Glenda Jackson in an uh, award-winning performance as Gudrun, Jenny Linden as Ursula, Eleanor Braun as Hermione, the uh, frigid... Uh, Wife of Rupert. And aspiring wizard. Yes. And Michael Gow in about five seconds. So that was Michael Gow. That was Michael Gow. That was the first note I had on my list was Michael Gow question mark? Because I wasn't sure if that was him. He looked very old in that movie. He isn't. Well, I mean, has he ever looked young? That's true. Good good point. He is in the first scene and a scene about an hour into the movie. And that is it. I don't even remember him an hour into the movie. I just remember the very beginning. He shows up at the picnic for a brief second. Does he show up in the Batmobile? Yeah, he says... And when when he's about to show up, uh, uh, Jenny Linden says, Oh, the gentleman will be driving a car. Uh, No, I think you'll recognize this car. It's a very distinct one. And then he picks up a Diet Pepsi and you hear, Just for the... Or Diet Coke, sorry. Just for the taste of it! Diet Coke! Ah! This was the Turner version from the 80s we watched. <laughs> they colorized it again. They colorized it more. The Technicolor was rich. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Women in Love, 1969, number 87 on the list. Jason, by running order, says premise. I mean, we need the premise for this movie. So what is it all about? Well, you'd think uh, with, a, with a name like Women in Love, it would be about women and the men they love. But in, re- in reality, this movie is more about the men... Than the women who love them. The men and the women 
man who So really, I mean, I don't know why this men this movie wasn't called Men in Love because that would have made more sense. The censors might have had a hard time with Maybe. That. I guess well, I mean, this movie is from the perspective of the girls in the sense that they're the ones that we see at the very beginning and then they're the them going to rubberneck at the wedding is You know, I never the inciting even, incident as it were. I never really thought of that, but you're right. This movie does position itself title-wise, as it's going to be from the female perspective, but as we move on, it is decidedly not. No, this is a movie about Gerald and Rupert. Yes. Really. Played by legendary drunk Oliver Reed. You know what? It's funny. Uh, so before this movie... Wait, and the go-between's Alan Bates. And the go-between's Alan Bates, absolutely. Before this movie, I, I'd only ever seen Oliver Reed in Gladiator, which was his <laughs> final film. Yes. And so I, I was looking him up, and yeah... He died of a heart attack after allegedly having a drinking contest with a bunch of sailors from a, a, a Navy ship that was nearby. I'm honestly surprised he didn't live and that they all died. Yeah, I know. How the hell did that happen? Because he was, uh, yeah. Um, and if you try to search for an interview with Oliver Reed, good luck finding a sober one. Yeah, no, he famously was drunk on just about every show he was on and ruined many of them. <laughs> yep. Or enhanced them. And and that's the thing, that despite that, this man is a fucking amazing actor I mean, and apparently like a one-take guy well that's good like <laughs> you need to get back to drink more exactly all right so let's talk a little bit about this movie priorities jason so uh yeah just right into the gate i gotta say alan bates and oliver reed are so fucking compelling in this movie so amazing to watch that that anything else in the movie that seems weird or 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 strange it's just completely thrown to the side because these two are so fucking good in this movie so, the movie, we started out, we got Gundren, Gundren? Gundren? Gudrun. Gudrun and Ursula, the sisters we talked about. Uh, back in the old days, before, you know, the internet, if you wanted to have fun, I guess, you just had to go, like, Twice. hang out around town. Yeah. And just watch whatever was going on. And so, this particular day, the sisters are going to watch a wedding. Uh, from I, the sidelines, like got, from the graveyard. I got a four weddings vibe from that. Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, we're ready to the gate. We're going to a wedding. Go to a random wedding. Where apparently a very young uh, Navy admiral is marrying uh, the daughter of the local coal baron. Yes. I don't know if he actually is a Navy admiral, but he's dressed like one. Laura and Tibby. Laurie, Timmy? It was T- in it, like Tibby. 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 What a fucking... No, no, B, like Tibby. Tibby? What yeah. a fucking upper class twit of the year name. Tibby. Jesus. Wow. Tibby. That's a cat's name, not a person's name. <laughs> Tippy. Jason. Jesus. Hey, All right, so hey. they're getting married. You need to keep it down. I'm trying. So what you're saying is they're writing songs of love, but not for me. Ow. Yeah. So they're watching the wedding, and while they're at the wedding, they notice a couple of fellows that they start paying attention to. Uh, one of them is Rupert played by Alan Bates, yes. who uh, Ursula recognizes because she's a school teacher and he is a school inspector. Yes. And they had met previously in the classroom and had a about... weirdly sexual conversation about a catkin. Yes. Which is a flower. And actually, that's a, that's a running theme. We'll see that Rupert is a creep and uh, a neckbeard. Basically, both these guys are neckbeards in various ways, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> Can you explain what a neckbeard is? To the uh, well, I mean, if you think about the sorts of guys that post a lot on the internet in the modern era and don't understand women and think that they deserve sex, these guys are basically that in a lot of ways. So maybe not the same definition, but sort of the same thing that like incels do? Yeah, but uh, yeah, kind of, but okay. but not. But these these guys are getting laid. They're not yeah. involuntarily celibate for sure. No, I'm just saying like the same kind of shit. Yeah, they they, they express some opinions posting. that would be at home with folks uh, uh, like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, marriage, um, and also they um, 
G- Gundren is focusing on um, Gerald, who is the son of Thomas, the coal baron. Uh, I think that's his name, Thomas? Yeah, Thomas Critch, uh, who's the coal baron and whose daughter is getting married. Gerald oh. is the brother and the son, and he is poised to take over the coal company. Yeah, and he is a jackass. He is a, yeah, yeah. They're he, both jackasses, really. Well, Gerald Moore, I think. So I'll argue that. Yeah, so these people, they, they recognize them. Uh, we see a little bit of their lives. We see, you know, uh, uh, Gerald in the coal mine checking shit out. And, be- and Gerald's real shitty compared to his dad. His dad is, like, super generous. Like, well, a real good old rich guy. But I think his dad used to be just as bad as Gerald is now. Yeah. And he sa- Gerald says uh, something along the lines of, like, oh, don't, don't pretend you weren't this way back in the day or something. And he's... Yeah saying like just because he's like at least i pay them or something like that like yeah. so I, I don't i think he has kind of a dicey history but i think yeah, yeah. Well, as he's getting older and obviously ailing he's uh, gaining wisdom and, and starting to understand maybe yeah. the, the plight a maybe little bit more. a little bit more empathy yeah, yeah exactly uh and actually later when we meet when we meet uh, gerald's mother that explains a lot too um yeah so these four people eventually do all come together at a party held by the aforementioned hermione and now, at this point, Hermione and Rupert are an item. and uh, Hermione from Harry Potter. Hermione from Harry Potter. Aspiring wizard. Emma, and, Emma, uh, Wat- Emma, Emma Watson. Emma Watson. Yeah. In this movie, she's negative 20. Yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, so Hermione puts on this weird-ass performance piece for everybody. Oh. Uh, and while that's going on, Rupert, who is drinking, obviously, and gets pretty bored of the whole thing, just tells the piano player to start playing ragtime music. Yep. So he basically just totally blows her off, her whole thing, no. and just starts hammering away on the piano, and everybody starts dancing, and she's not happy about that. Not only is she doing an interpretive dance, but she's doing one in which she's, like, clearly t- taking the time to coach yeah. Ursula and, uh... Yeah, yeah, she's uh, having a full performance. This is clearly something that means a lot to her, but Alan doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Alan Bates. Uh, Rupert. Rupert. Uh, does not give a shit. And so she gets mad and walks out of the room. And Rupert follows her and proceeds to uh, attempt to apologize in the most condescending way possible, like an asshole, and and then begins to properly criticize her art as a whole. And she's had enough of it. <laughs> and so she picks up a paperweight off the table and bashes him in the head and walks out of the room. And puts him into a bit of a daze. Yeah, at which point he proceeds to have, like, a weird fucking... uh, What's that movie where the dude's in, like, the the tank? And he, like... He, like, encloses himself in a tank... Altered States? Where he, like, encloses himself in the tank and then he goes out and he just starts running around naked? You've seen way more movies than me, Brendan. Altered States, guys. Look it up. It's a goodie. Uh, William Hurt's in it. William fucking Hurt, Jason. I do like like me a William Hurt. Um, Do you, William, wanna hurt me... But do you, William, want to make me John Hurt? Oh. Yeah, so he gets knocked in the head and and in his state, I guess, figures the best idea is to strip all his clothes off, dong out, and just wander into the woods. <laughs> By the way, from now on, I'm saying dong out. And then, so then we cut, and later on there's a picnic, big picnic at the Critch Estate. Yep. And the girls go to the picnic. Picnic. And during the picnic, they wander off into kind of like a remote area in the woods near some cows and have their own little picnic. And Ursula is singing some shit. And Gundren starts fucking with some cows. Just dancing in front of them. Just dancing in front of them. She's doing the same interpretive dance that Hermione did, by the way. And And she's trying to kind of scare the cows off. Like, she's like, I can can make these cows bend to my will. (laughs) Yeah. 
And so she dances around, she waves around, and then the cows eventually start stampeding and she chases them. And Gerald and Rupert show up. Rupert, I guess, has put a clothes back on and got his wits about him. This is later. This, this is sometime later. later, yeah. Yeah, this is sometime later. Uh, Gerald, not really happy about Gundren out there fucking with his cattle. Right. Uh, and and asks her what the fuck she's doing, basically. But Rupert takes the opportunity to, to get to know Ursa a little better, and they have some discussions about love and life and what that means, and he sounds super pretentious and creepy, uh, as he often does. Should we listen to one of his uh, one of his things, one of his yeah. little diatribes about love and yeah, 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 all that uh, shit? Uh, well, okay. it's not the one about the prostitute, is it? That one was real creepy. I don't think so. I have one here, though. Let's, let's, let's take a listen. For love is the greatest thing the world... He might as well say that hate is the greatest. What people want is hate. Hate and nothing but hate. In the name of righteousness and love, ye shall have hate. Out of love, ye shall throw down nitroglycerine bombs, and ye shall kill your brother. It's a lie that kills. If people want hate, let them have it. Death, torture, murder, violent destruction. Let's have it. Not in the name of love. Oh, I abhor humanity. I wish it was swept away. It could go. And there would be no absolute loss if every human being perished tomorrow. Thank you, Father. So, you want everybody in the world destroyed? Yes, hmm. absolutely. Well, you yourself, don't you think it's a, it's a wonderful, clear idea? A world empty of people, just uninterrupted grass and a rabbit sitting up. Mm, you don't seem to see much love in humanity. What about individual love? I don't believe in love any more than I believe in hate or grief. Love is an emotion. You feel or you don't feel according to your circumstances. If you don't believe in love, what do you believe in? Just in the end of the world and rabbits? The point about L-O-V-E is that we hate the word because we vulgarized it. It should be taboo, forbidden from utterance for many years till we found a new and a better idea. Well, I shall just have to leave it to you to send your new and better idea down from the holy altar. When you think the world is ready, of course. What a pretentious, cynical prick who loves the sound of his own voice. <laughs> yeah, there is like, I will say right now, that scene, there are countless scenes like that. In this yeah, of movie. him basically ruminating on his views on love and stuff, and it him, all just sounds like shit. Tim and Gerald, yeah. both of them, just like going on and on. And on. Gerald yeah. is much more from the uh, the school of like, I don't understand love, and I must do this because it is what is expected of me. Pass the brandy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just keep, keep the liquor flowing, and we'll keep the money coming. Right. So, yeah, so uh, we heard that scene. Um, after they talk for a bit, they go out and fuck. Because why not? That's what I'd do if I wasn't engaged and in this time and Alan Bates. If I had a prettier uh, dress on is what you're trying to say? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just try, Brendan, once in a while, you don't even try. <sighs> wow. Wow. So, the picnic. Yeah, the picnic. It's it's quite a good time, and everybody has a wonderful day until the end of the night when they are out in the canoes on the river, and Tibby and Laura are out having a swim, and tragedy strikes. And Laura goes under the water, and Tibby screams for help, and Tibby can't find her, and then Tibby goes under the water, and we, and then we don't see them again. Well, I... For a bit. I was confused. Well, I mean, we know at this, they're, they're dead, <laughs> but like... How? I think it has to do with the current. Like, if they were swimming in a river. But it didn't look like that. No, was... it looked fine up top, but, like, down below, the current could have been stronger, okay. and she got caught in okay. it. Okay, because that's just something I just didn't put together at all. Yeah. Like, I... 
I, I was like, I'm sure there's a real, there's a real answer here, but I didn't get it. Yeah. So everybody's looking for them. I know, uh, Ursula and, and Rupert head down the river to kind of keep an eye out if they'd come out uh, the dam part or come out one of the I don't know. There's there's weird river infrastructure in England. It's very old there. Um, so <laughs> it's very they, old in England. So they go looking for them, but they don't see them. So they decide the best thing to do is to go fuck again. Uh, well, yeah. And. So somebody does find the bodies, and we find these two bodies on the beach, locked in an embrace. And the, did you notice the edit that they did? The edit is very cool, where it transitions from the two bodies on the ground in an embrace to uh, Rupert and Ursula, Rupert and in, Ursula the same in the same embrace. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what are, what are you trying to say is with that? that? The, is that the scene where it's all sideways? No, that's later. That's later on. Okay. But I like, but I, when I saw that, I was like, "Whoa, what statement yeah. are they trying to make there?" Yeah, exactly. That, that was that was a cool shot. Uh, also, when uh, when they find them, they see the woman wrapped around the man, and they say she killed him. Yeah, yeah. Which it may have been maybe she grabbed him and drag drug him under. Wait, but I think I think that's um, I think that's a thing where like remember earlier when they're going to get married, those yeah. two are going to get married, and uh, Gerald says something along the lines of like he's disgusted at their like. He calls it like fake spontaneity, like mm-hmm. they're really giddy and excited to see each other. Yeah. So I and because they because they like before this happens, they have been every time we see them, they're like making out and fingering each other. <laughs> yes, that's like, what I assume they're doing. Close ups yeah. on camera. Yeah. But no, but the thing is, like he's he's very disgusted at their affection or their over excitement, and she, Laura, the girl who dies, is uh, Gerald's, I think, younger sister. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think what he says, she killed him. I think it was like she was that kind of person, yeah. drove him to be that kind of person, and that's what killed them. Okay, you know what I mean? Like they're, yeah, they're, that's they're smart. yeah, that's what I, that's what that's I what think. you get for paying attention, Brendan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, two so, tries. <laughs> also weird that uh, 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 such a young admiral uh, would drown. How ironic, right? A navy man drowns. Weird. I mean, do navy people go in the water? I don't, I don't make that no. connection. No. So then we go to a scene in uh, Gerald's, uh, I think it's Gerald's study, or he's got a very big fireplace there, where him and him and his buddy Rupert are chatting about the nature of love and what it means to love, and, and Gerald expresses how he's very pent up. Clearly he needs to fuck, but he just, he doesn't really love people, and he doesn't know what to do, and Rupert suggests, well, have you thought about violence? That's a good way to get your frustrations out, and he's like, oh, violence, eh? He's like, what, what about Japanese wrestling? You want a Japanese wrestle? And Gerald's like, I am down. And so they do what any two good friends would do, and as Brendan and I often do. Right uh, now. They strip naked. Minutes before the podcast. And then they proceed to have a very intense wrestling match. And when we say, folks, that they strip naked, we mean that there is, there's no hiding it. This is Dongs Out Wrestling. <laughs> D-O-W. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, can I just say, like, this is probably the most interesting part of the movie. It is, it's fascinating. Um, it is two men who love each other very much, at least as friends, and yeah. and are expressing that love by violence, but it's, you know, it's, it's like, I mean, it's Japanese wrestling, but it's like Greek style, because they're naked, and they really go for it, to the point where they get into a test of strength, wrestling fans, you'll know what I'm talking about, and I think they both come. And if they don't, they certainly make the impression that they do. I mean, it's a very homoerotic scene. Very homoerotic. Obviously. Like, like, this I is... think that's underselling it. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's about as homoerotic as you can get without straight up fucking each other. I was going to say, it's it's 
it's homoerotic to the point. It's almost homosexual. Like yeah. it's almost just like gay sex. Pretty much. It, but, they're very close. But um, the, the, it, all the things are are they hit the same beats. And even like afterwards, when uh, Rupert, I think, said, or Gerald says to Rupert, "That wasn't too hard for you, was it?" Or something like that. Yeah. Like, or no, he says he says that wasn't too much for you, was it? Yeah. Which and is I was just thing. like, ooh, which is a thing. Yeah, and he People says that say multiple times sex. throughout the movie. I've heard that at least one other time. He says, he says well, it wasn't too much for you, was he it? He says it after sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the mo- I, but it's homoerotic to the point, like, you know, we see a lot of movies that have homoeroticism that don't mean to, but because mm. they're so macho, it yeah. can't help it. This is clearly intentional. No, this is definitely intentional. Well, and, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in the after part, but, like, I don't think Ken Russell was originally intending to film this scene because no. it's in the book, but Oliver uh, Oliver Reed insisted. He wrestled him for it. Yeah, he no, it's, he actually, it's not. He actually wrestled for. I put it like put his physically put his arm behind his back and, and was said, like, "We're doing this. We're scene. doing this scene." And Ken Russell's like, "All right, you crazy fucking drug." <laughs> and so they did it, and it, it, I'm glad they did because it is an intense part of the movie. So after they finish and wrestling they pro- and coming, and they promise to love each other, and they promise to, they do promise to love each other. But um, Rupert suggests that they pledge their love to each other. Like that he th- like because Rupert has this view that that you can have emotional connections with different people. You don't necessarily just need to be in a relationship with a woman. You can have a you can have an emotional physical relationship with a woman and still have an emotional connection with a man. Oh yeah, right. Because Gerald has like the opposite. Yeah, view. and uh, Gerald doesn't really understand that. Yeah. Um, and and well, no, wait, but but doesn't Rupert? Doesn't earlier Rupert say like I only need the love of one person, of one woman, and that's it? One woman, maybe. But I feel like their opinions switched for some yeah. reason. Like I thought it was weird. Like earlier on, they well, they're to be pretentious, the cynical fucks. So maybe it evolves over time, or maybe they just don't give a shit. All right, Jason, you ready for a hot take? Take me. Okay. I don't know how you feel about this, and don't feel free to argue with me. All you I want. might just do that. But after this scene, yeah. For the rest of the movie, mm-hmm. fuck this movie. Yeah. I hate the rest of it. Really? I could not. I I couldn't. So what you're saying is you came during that scene and then you were done. <laughs> I just yes. <laughs> no, for the from this point to the end, yeah. not into it. Funny it's and it's weird too because I watched this movie in two sittings yeah. and and the first sitting ended right after this scene. That's a good place to end it. Yeah. And yeah. um yeah, and and you know what? I I it's not great, but but I but the again the performances by Alan Bates and Oliver Reed made me keep watching. Keep oh, watching. Oh, for sure. And I couldn't stop There's watching. There's nothing wrong with the acting. Yeah. I just we'll get into it, yeah, yeah. but like, yeah, and like, you know, argue, so, argue with me. Don't you don't have to share the same. So Rupert suggests that they pledge their loves to each other because it's like it's you know it's like a, an eternal love. It's this and that, and he's like, eh, I don't know. He's like, maybe if I understand it more, uh, that's what Gerald says, right? Uh, so yeah, but but post this scene, Rupert and Ursula they get married because Rupert's the type that he wants to get married, uh, and but Gerald continues to see Ursula for the good times. Gerald continues to see. Sorry, oh. Gerald continues to see Gundra. Gundren, yeah, Gundren yeah. for the uh, for the good times. Right. I just that was my mistake. I wrote it down wrong. Son um, of a bitch. Gundren's dad is sick. He's very old. He's he was in a wheelchair, but he's also very sick now. Gerald's and dad. Gerald's dad, and then he dies. Yes. Well, Critch has his name. Critch's dad. Critch. I thought you said Gundren's dad. I don't know what I said. It's Gerald's Roll the tape dad. back. <laughs> Never mind. Let's just keep going. Just, can we listen to the instant replay? Hold on. <laughs> See? Do I sound like that? Yeah. No. That wasn't even slowed down. Weird. I mean, am I? Is that how I? Am I drinking too much coffee? Do I not know the passage of time? I don't know what's going on. Passage to India. Back to the movie. The part that Brendan doesn't like. So they get <laughs> married. Rupert and Ursula. Yeah. Gerald continues to fuck uh, Gundren whenever he can get in there, and uh, <laughs> his father dies, and we get to meet his mother, who's a real piece of shit. 
who is like one of the worst mothers I think I've ever seen on screen. She's I, just mean she's, and critical, and she's also one of the first to uh, uh, bring up the repeated notion that Gerald is like kind of a phony. Yeah, like that he thinks he has feelings for things, but he doesn't. Yeah, because she. Should... Oh, by the way, she is such a person. She set the dogs on just some guys that were coming up to, to see about getting a meal or, or a handout from the rich guy. She literally set the dogs on them. Yeah. <laughs> release the hounds she is mr burns yeah she is mr burns in female real life form basically um but yeah so the dad dies and, and interestingly when he dies he dies as he's asking him he's like what what's the amount of water we need for the dam or some like like a, a business thing and he's like oh we need that and then he like gives a death rattle and dies yeah yeah which i i appreciate it because that that's you know that tracks real to me that often people will die like that where they ask like an innocuous question about whatever and then it's like and then I wonder if uh, the mother has a point, though, because his Gerald's reaction is very nonplussed. Yeah. When, because uh, he dies right in front of him, and yeah. he just kind of, like, goes to his side, and then looks kind of up in the air with, like, a kind of basic reaction. Like, yeah. there's no, like, breakdown or anything. And he even has, like, a little chuckle at the funeral about something. Yeah, well, she does, too. She's laughing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because he drops the trowel in the in the grave. And she laughs really hard at that. And he goes, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. My, oh. my father, yes, he's dead. Yeah. yeah, so the mom's dead. Uh, or No, the mom's not dead. The dad's dead. The mom's alive. She may as well be dead. She's dead you, inside. Your mind is like a Ken Russell film right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's all over the place. And... <laughs> yeah. Ken Russell Crowe. So, Gerald's still seeing Gudrun, and he sneaks over to her place for another little roll in the hay. Uh, he gets some good titty-sucking in, and then proceeds to fuck her while thinking of his mother. And you know what? He finishes. I didn't even catch that, that he was thinking of his mother. Well, because it kept cutting to his mother. Oh. While, like, like back to the her laughing at the funeral while he's fucking... Is this uh, the bit where he comes in and fucks her rather hard? No, I think that's later. I think that's that's okay. when they're in the Alps. Okay. <laughs> This is what happens, Larry. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Please do a remake with John Goodman. <laughs> that's that's the famous uh, the famous censor on TV. That's what they replaced that line with. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. This when is what happens, Larry, when you find a stranger in the Alps. That's terrible. I know. I know. That it literally. It, it the only sense it makes is that it fits John Goodman's mouth movement. It doesn't make any <laughs> fucking sense at all. <laughs> So the sisters get invited to go with uh, Gerald and um, Rupert. Uh, Rupert to the Alps for Christmas, which sounds absolutely lovely. Smashing. Uh, they get there, they, they dance, they, they coast, they have a lovely time. They end up meeting a German artist and his boyfriend, which is not explicitly said right away, but it's pretty clear. I mean... The guy's very pretty, they, the, the boyfriend. The boyfriend is... And a much younger boyfriend, by the way. Does he, like, dance over and elbow him in the... In somebody in the, the ribs? Was it the other German guy, or...? I just know that they go into the room one uh, and one scene, and the boyfriend is like he's like lounge, he's shirtless and lounging in bed, and because yeah, they're talking about his art and stuff, and about how the German artist like is, he, he had this sculpture he did of a lady on a horse, he and apparently he the face beat the shit out of the model with a with a belt, yeah, and, and because he believes that the brutality is necessary for the art. And, and I'm like, so you mean the brutality of making me watch this movie? Yeah, yeah hey, 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 hey. hey. So, yeah, uh, and they uh, Gundren starts to become friendly with this guy, and she enjoys him because she's also an artist. She yeah. likes to sculpt as well. Um, is it a, like, I know he's supposed to be gay, but is it like a sexual? No, I don't think so. But it's weird, right? I think they're because... having fun playing around. I, I, where, you know, it's... Where Gundren is like, 
many women that have gay friends where they're willing to be more outgoing with them because they don't they know that that person isn't going to try to like you know mack on them or do something to them but the reason i said i think it's weird is because of the jealousy thing that comes in later yeah but i think that's also part of maybe it's like emotional adultery well it's, it, yeah it's emotional adultery but also as we understand gerald doesn't really understand emotions a lot and he right. doesn't really get it so maybe the idea that this guy was gay didn't really land with him yeah uh, that he just saw it as like, oh, this Gundren is like having fun with someone else and fuck, fuck that bitch, which he does. You want to hear some fucked up shit, folks? By the way, this is almost nothing to do with what Jason's talking about, but find if any find the Oliver Reed Shelley Winters interview on Carson where Oliver Reed says, says his views on feminism. Oh goodness, I can only imagine. It's I, I read about that. I got to check it out. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they. They get so they they do oh yeah so they're going to bed and and um, Gerald's in a bad mood and uh, Gundren takes off her her shirt to reveal her 1969 titties and uh, they she goes over and starts caressing him and and trying to get him into the mood and he does eventually turn around and get into it and then proceeds to take her to Pound Town like real hard like real aggressive like the camera shot is shooting up at his face and he's just fucking pounding and it's very unsettling oh yeah uh unsettling yes, yeah that's yeah the word. that's, <laughs> that's the, word the word you were thinking yeah, yeah 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 um not mass no not erotic that i don't know why I said, I don't but know. ursa and alan have been doing the or ursula and i wrote alan again ursula and rupert have been doing their thing <laughs> i love how it's just a mix of like yeah. character names and actor names and sometimes not the right actor i didn't names. I, I didn't know the sister's names from those to the movie so in my notes is just girl does this oh you know? for a while i was like which one is ursula <laughs> So yeah, the uh, Rupert and Ursula are are having their little chats or whatever. But Ursula wants to get out of there, and so they decide they're going to leave. Uh, meanwhile, Gundren is out coasting with her German friend, having a lovely time, much as she was doing earlier with uh, with Gerald. And they're hanging out, and then all of a sudden, Gerald comes out of nowhere and walks up to the German guy and just full on punches him in the face, and drops cock. him to the ground, cold cocks. Him we might as well out we, of nowhere. We should say cold cock in the spirit of this movie. And, yeah, very much so. And then he proceeds to go Quentin Tarantino on uh, Gundren and grabs her around the neck and just chokes the shit out of her. Yeah. And, and like Tarantino, he, he let her go, you know, and didn't kill her. But then he wanders off into the snow. Like Tarantino. Like Tarantino, wandered off into the snow. <laughs> but unlike Tarantino, he just sits down, takes his gloves and hats off, hat off, and lies down and dies. No, all his hats. And somehow they drag his body back. And the last scene in the movie involves uh, Gerald's body on a bed while... Alan is very, or Alan, Rupert is very sad about it. I'm sure Alan Bates was sad about it too. Uh, but, uh, Oh no, my friend Ollie's character died. So Rupert is very sad about this. Uh, I mean, he's not like crying or anything, but then he's chatting with, um, Ursula and, and we basically get down to the idea of Ursula doesn't think that it's possible to have like, uh, an emotional connection, emotional, physical connection with a woman and an emotional connection with a man. Like she doesn't think that she doesn't understand that you could have two like emo connections with different people. Right. And I believe the line, he's, uh, uh, Rupert says, like, I don't believe that. And then it's like, ah, and then it goes to a shot of Ursula's face and we have credits. Yeah. Very abrupt. And yeah, that's the movie. Very abrupt. But when the credits came up, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. So that's the movie. Uh, it is a very weird movie. It's two hours and 16 minutes long. So it's a, it's a good long haul. I did not expect to like it quite as much as I did. Uh, and again, it's not the movie itself, but the strength of the performances of Oliver Reed and, and Alan Bates, because 
you know, Alan Bates, he was fine in The Go-Between, but that movie is a bit of a slog and, and not, you know, my favorite movie ever. And his performance, it was good, but yeah. this movie, holy shit, the two of them just nail these guys and their girlfriends. Hey! Uh, in such a way that I, I really have to go back now and watch more Oliver Reed yeah. work. More of his work and more of Alan Bates' work because I want to see these guys in action. And I'm sure we'll see them again. All right, so, uh, yeah, so the movie. Give me some background on this, bro. All right, well, I want to talk a little bit about the screenwriter, Larry Kramer. Larry Kramer? Larry Kramer was the huh. screenwriter of this movie. Grandfather this of TV's Cosmo Kramer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, I mean, he was a homosexual. So he wrote, I mean, the homoeroticism. Are you saying he was a homosexual? A homosexual. <laughs> he was a fucking general in Clockwork Orange? Yes. <laughs> um... So he fought, uh, he was a homosexual, he was an activist, he fought hard for gay rights, and he also had a great deal with, uh, to do with activism uh, once the AIDS thing started breaking out in the 80s, in the early 80s. Mm. Um, he wrote a novel, and I'm not going to say the name, and I know it's just the name of the novel, but it rhymes with maggots and it starts with an F. Uh, in that's, 19... that's the whole title? No, you don't, no. <laughs> it's one word. It's <laughs> just called it that? rhymes with maggots. <laughs> no, I know, but that's F. the entire title, is just that yeah, word? Yes. Wow. Uh, in 1978, he wrote that, hmm. which uh, kind of took on this idea of like homosexual promiscuity. Like it was kind of attacking it. Like, oh, you shouldn't be sleeping around and stuff. And he got attacked for it a lot at the hmm. time. People were like, oh, he's condemning like the lifestyle. And then when the AIDS thing started coming out, people were kind of embracing. It he a was ahead more. of the curve on that one, right? He's still alive, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, he nearly died in the late 90s, but he was denied an organ transplant because he was openly gay. By the NHS in Britain in December two thousand one. Yeah, but, Jeez, but was this, this only in England? Eighteen years ago. Yeah, that's crazy. It was only eighteen fucking years that's ago. That's insane. So uh, he he eventually did get it. Did he have did, to go to the states and buy one from like a child or something? <laughs> no. Uh, eventually, it just got to the point where he made it very public that they were denying him that, oh, and okay. there was another uh, facility that heard about his story. I don't. I wrote that. I. Forgot to write down what it was, but they basically said, "No, we're going to give you the organ. Don't we're going to give you the organ transplant." Boom! Pop goes your uncle. He's safe. Yay! He's still alive. Another interesting thing I wrote, I read about him when he lived in America. Mm. He had a very strange feud with Ed Koch, Mayor Ed Koch of New York. <gasps> you and mean it, from the People's Court, Ed Koch? The the very same. I wonder if that hit now. Uh, you can you can fill me in, but I know Ed Koch for a long time because he was a confirmed bachelor was rumored to be gay and may have been gay and and but never really totally addressed that fact. And he wasn't well liked, honestly. Ed uh, Koch, really? For a long time, he wasn't well liked. Wow. Uh, but in fact, there is a story that in fact, Ed Koch was apparently going to move into this apartment building yeah. where, uh, Larry Kramer was living mm -hmm. and he saw Ed Koch out the window, opened the window and basically told him, do not move here. I live here. Nobody wants you. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, awesome. Did you yell at the mayor of New York? Fuck off. We don't want you. Yeah. I think this might've been like after his, oh, okay. his run, but he definitely <laughs> saw Ed Koch going to try to move in. Post-mayor, pre-People's Court. Uh, so he was also, uh, one of his first jobs, Larry Kramer, was to rework a lot of scripts for Columbia Pictures. Uh, so it was suggested to him to try and write an adaptation of this novel, Women in Love. Uh, weird that they went with this one, because this is a sequel. This novel is a sequel to another novel called The Rainbow, which features the Gundren and um, Ursula characters. Yeah, well... Uh, just Gudrun, I think. Yeah, and and, uh, I, and I believe Ken Russell did later in life make that movie. Yeah, so uh, he he optioned it for $4,200, and he wrote the damn thing. 
before he wrote this, he never wrote a f- uh, full screenplay at the time, which I think is evident by watching the movie. <laughs> IMO. Um, and he said he basically became a writer, quote unquote, not out of choice, but by necessity. Basically, I got bills to pay. Or I there's nothing else I could possibly do. This is the only thing I'm talented at. <laughs> right. So his first draft was almost all dialogue. His second, then he did a second one, and it was all visual. So what he did is he basically took those drafts, put them together, and that was the script. He should have sent that visual one to George Lucas. The young George Lucas, who I imagine was probably still in film school oh at this God. point. There's a George Lucas making women in love. Yeah. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Uh, what if they were brother and sister? Would that work? Hmm. It, could, it could later. It could, it, oh, fine. They don't know about it at first. You guys give me a Coke Zero? Oh, that doesn't exist yet? Okay, just a coffee then. Two sugars, please. <laughs> uh, now I want to talk about director Ken Russell. Yeah. Because he was a pretty interesting guy as well. He originally wanted to be a ballet dancer. Hmm. Uh, but he spent most of his time in the Royal Air Force and the Merchant Navy. So he Not a lot of opportunity to do that outside of the variety shows that they would have where they would all dress up as ladies because that's what you did in the British military. Well, according to Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, on one occasion, uh, his lunatic captain had him stand for hours on end thinking that the Japanese would attack at any moment despite at this point that he was doing that. The war had been over for a few years. So he had a crazy captain who was just like, stand there! He was a captain that was trying to turn him into one of those like lost Japanese soldiers that didn't know the war was over until the 70s. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, before Women in Love, he mostly focused on documentaries. And once he got into film, though, Ken Russell was always like kind of breaking taboos. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as we saw in this movie. Well, I mean, 1969, the amount of like homosexuality in this movie is 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 staggering really like that this movie could get away with addressing it and then some of the nudity and stuff like this was a pretty cutting edge movie for 1969 yeah well and with this movie he made it one of the first one of the first to feature male genitalia on screen uh as you know because women were starting to get mm-hmm. there was starting to be female nudity i mean don't look now was like 1973 which is still a fairly new thing at the time but it was starting to come in like i yeah. think uh even like easy rider was like 69 and there was definitely some stuff in that mm-hmm. uh but it was just it was per- fairly fresh so what we're saying is ken russell is a pioneer of dongs out filmmaking yes <laughs> Uh, in a movie, in a movie he directed called *The Devils*, he would go to present nuns as very sexual beings. So, of course, Warner Brothers refused to show it in the U.S. And it was only as of last year, last year, 2018, that it was finally it's finally available on Shutter in its complete form. Wow. Uh, so what you're saying is that Ken Russell is responsible for at least one and maybe multiple genres of specific fetish porn that exist today. Uh, he's likely the director of them. Wow. Good job, Ken. <laughs> and here, here, Here's one for you, Jason. Sure. One film he was never able to release yeah. was one in which he portrayed Richard Strauss, composer Richard Strauss, mm-hmm. as a Nazi who tortures a Jewish man. The Strauss family prevented it from ever being shown, but the copyright on that will expire this year. Fucking right. So, public domain, baby. (laughs) Um, As for the nude wrestling scene, as we talked about, Ken Russell was worried about it ever getting past censors, but amazingly it did. And like we said, he was convinced to shoot it when Oliver Reed literally wrestled him in his own kitchen. (laughs) Uh Interestingly, though, Oliver Reed was not the first choice to play Gerald. No, really? In fact, they had no interest in Oliver Reed. Um, they wanted to cast Edward Fox, who we okay. will remember from The Go-Between. Another Absolutely. actor from The Go-Between. He was the, uh, he was the veteran. Yeah, the, the guy with the scar on his yeah. face. Uh, United Artists kind of stepped in, though, and they were like, no, we want a star. We want a guy who's going to bring in the money. Oliver Reed was a big name at the time. Just so keep they... him full of booze, and he will do his best. <laughs> right. Uh, 
Reed was in. Ken Russell was hesitant at first because he said Oliver Reed looked nothing like what he wanted the character's appearance to be. Hmm. But then after the film was done being shot, he said he Oliver Reed couldn't have played it better. He said it was... Well, that's the thing. Again, testament to Oliver Reed for being a hammered drunk all the time. He is so good in... in even, like, like, watching this and even watching the clips from Gladiator of him playing Proximo, like, he's just so good when he's like, they didn't love me because I was a gl- good gladiator. They loved me because or it was a, uh, I won the, the crowd. He, or, who the fuck does he play Gladiator? Proximo, who's a, who's a former gladiator who's like a mentor to... Uh, to uh, uh, Maximus? Maximus, yeah. Okay. I don't remember him at all. We should watch that movie again. It's real good. Okay, now here's the thing that's very telling of the time. Yeah. Uh, Alan Bates and, and Oliver Reed received a profit percentage. They got a back end on this movie? While Glenda Jackson and Jenny Linden just got a salary. Yeah. I mean, um, and the last, but here's the, here's the worst one, okay? But they also were big stars. I don't know where those two women... Glenda Jackson, I think, was like somewhat... No. I mean, especially given that she was the one that got nominated and won the award. We'll talk about that later. Spoiler. Spoil this. What are you... <laughs> Jason just swallowed me whole. I'm now <laughs> in his stomach. For the rest of the podcast, I am Jason's If belly. it's muffled, you'll know why. All right, I'll just open my mouth whenever Brendan talks. Uh, Jason, can you open your mouth? Oh, thank you. So the last thing, yeah, the last thing I wanted to say here is that uh, United Artists tried to stop uh, them from casting Glenda Jackson as Gudrun. And this was their reasoning, okay? They did not believe that she was beautiful enough for her rejection to push Gerald to suicide. Fuck you. Yeah, that's surreal. I don't think it... I think I, I feel like Gerald could have been pushed to suicide by just about anything. You're not hot enough for this guy to take his own life because you yeah. won't fuck him. Nobody will buy that shit. Yeah, this is a real, 19, real 1969 moment there. Yeah. God damn. But Jason, before we get into this movie a little deeper, we have to take a quick break. Let's do it. We'll be right back. See you in a minute. Podcoin. Podcoin. Have you heard of it? Uh, yeah, you've told me about it. Uh, this podcast? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, I'm going to tell the people again. Well, why don't you refresh me, because I have a very bad memory because of all the things I do. Right, you have a two-week memory. Yeah, exactly. Which means we have to refresh you every two weeks. Yeah, that's right. Well, Podcoin, see, it's an app. Okay. Which you can get on your Android phone. Is I don't have one of those. Okay, well, you get it on your iPhone. That I do have. Okay, on the Android phone, you get it on the Google Play Store, but on the iPhone, you get it on your iOS device. Okay. And what it is, is an app, it's a podcatcher, much like iTunes mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. But this is better than iTunes because... Well, especially because iTunes is going away very soon. Podcoin pays you to listen to podcasts. You're shitting me, Brendan. No, no, I'm not. I am not shitting you. It gives you podcoins. Yeah. Which you can then use to get gift cards or if you're feeling like a charitable sort, oh. you give to a good cause. Well, that's really cool. And if you listen to our podcast, you get one and a half times the normal amount of podcoins you would get. Multiplier. And... If you use our promo code, ScreenPod, that's S-C-R-E-E-N-P-O-D, you will get 300 bonus pod coins just for signing up. That is amazing. What a deal. Also, if you're already signed up with PodCoin, you can still enter that promo code and still get your 300 bonus pod coins. Guys, there's no reason not to do this right now. Unless you're dead. In which case, come back to life and download PodCoin. I would be happy to help you download that on your phone, because I am also dead. Thank you, Alec Guinness. And I'm out again. Goodbye. 
And we're back. Like dinosaurs in that bad movie, we're back. That is... Okay, well, you know what? I gotta tell you something. Please do, please do. In the last five days, that is the second time I've referenced We're Back, A Dinosaur (laughs) Story on a podcast. Wow. I mean, I've referenced it before because it's only like 70 minutes long and I find that hilarious, but... Yep. And probably terrible. Are you going to do that on your other podcast? Maybe someday. All right. If we do, you'll have to come back for that. Yeah, definitely. I want to see John Goodman voice of Dinosaur. Jason, let's do a deep dive. All right, let's get into this. Give me a shovel. Deep dive. Get me a get me a burial trowel, <laughs> and I'll drop it into the hole. Shall we talk about the sexual innuendo in this movie? Innuendo? It's pretty explicit, Brendan. Well, I mean, you know, sec- you know what I'm saying. It, this is this isn't Lawrence Double- Olivier in fucking Spartacus being like some men like clams and other men like oysters. Double entendres, I should say. Okay, maybe. how's how's that? Not quite to the area being served level of camp, but no, nobody's saying pussy uh, over and over again. No. But, I mean, we talked about briefly about the catkin scene in the mm-hmm. classroom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this scene, Rupert uh, Rupert is the, uh, the, what is he, like a He's school, like a school inspector. inspector. Whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> British people, if you're listening to this podcast, please let us know, what the fuck is a school inspector? Yeah. British people who were around in 1969. Yes. Tell us what the what it was then. Yes. Please do. Uh, but R- Rupert is, is in this classroom pointing out, like, he even says, like, oh, the red tips are the female Ugh. and the dangling stems are oh, the male. Oh, it's just dirty listening to him talk. Ugh. And then what's funny about, what's what's actually interesting about the scene, because, again, this is a scene in the first hour, which I kind of like. Yeah. Um, Hermione enters the classroom, his, his original, uh, his wife at the beginning, and... She, what's funny is she says, oh, I've never noticed catkins. And he's like, what are you talking about? They're all around you all the time. Mm. And I, I, I picked up on that being a very like, oh, I, she's, she's, they're saying she's very frigid. Yeah. And saying like, oh, I've never noticed like anyone as a sexual yeah. being or like, uh, and then when she, when, when he points it out, she says, oh, now I'll always notice them. But she seems so phony when yeah. she's looking at them like, oh, oh my God. Oh, I get it. Oh. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like, I think that's a double attention for like her own yeah. lack of sexual. Cause even later she like licks his chest and tries to make it like alluring. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> it's not, not great. And we have to play this scene, Jason. Is we this just... from the table? Them ta- sitting around the table? We have to play it. All right. We have to play it. You l- listen to this and you get a sense of what we're talking about. The proper way to eat a fig in society is to split it in four, holding it by the stump, and open it so that it is a glittering, rosy, moist, honeyed, heavy-petaled, four-petaled flower. Then you throw away the skin after you have taken off the blossom with your lips. But the vulgar way is just to put your mouth to the crack and take out the flesh in one bite. The fig is a very secretive fruit. The Italians vulgarly say it stands for the female part, the fig fruit, the fissure, the yoni, the wonderful moist conductivity towards the center, involved, interned. One small way of access only, and this close curtain from the light. Sap that smells strange on your fingers and that even goats won't taste it. And when the fig has kept her secret long enough, So it explodes, and you see through the fissure, the scarlet, 
and the fig is finished. The year is over. That's how the fig dies, showing her crimson through the purple slit. Like a wound, the exposure of her secret on the open day. Like a prostitute, the Burston fig makes a show of her secret. That's how women die, too. Simone from Mona Lisa, Jason, mm. will not take kindly to those comments of a prostitute. No, I don't think so. I don't think she would see herself as a fig exploding with juice. Ugh. Ugh. That is a... I mean, I really... I probably, like, next to the wrestling scene, that's one of the better scenes in the movie. Oh, no, it's an amazing scene as but, far as, like... But, but ugh, yeah, ugh, oh, God. Like, he's... Alan Bates is so good in this scene and being so awful. Yeah. And just, like... And, and I feel like everybody around the table is super uncomfortable with him talking like this. And... <laughs> and, what he, and what he talks about... So you heard that clip when he talks about saying it, like, this is how they eat it the vulgar way. Yeah. He leans into, like, Ursula. Yeah. Like, right in front of Hermione. Yeah, yeah like, this is... You, this is a movie that'd be like, if it were made today, it'd just be some guy going like, if you eat pussy, you gotta do it like this. Or it'd be like Sam Kinison screaming, like the alphabet! Ow! 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 ow. Yeah. <laughs> I've been dead for three days! <laughs> God, he was great. Uh, <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to mention about the, the, the sexual nature, I mean, you could mention the whole movie, but the other thing was, uh, there's a scene where Gudrun has to like walk through this town, and like she's literally walking, like she's walking by... She has to get through cat callers, first of all. Somebody saying, like, oh, I'll give my week's wages for one night with this lass. And then she walks by a bunch of people, like, making out under a bridge, yep. which later she becomes one of those Yeah, people. I noticed that same bridge. It's just like, oh, that looks familiar. Yeah, and then she, like, literally has a guy almost, like, sexually assault her. Oh, also, I gotta point out, um, we've watched a lot of movies about coal miners, and I think this, or with coal miners in them, because that's a big deal in England, like, it's a big industry, and I think this is the first time we were actually in a mine in the movie at any point, like, because oh, yeah. Gerald goes down, and, and I mean, I give him credit, he goes down into the mine and gets dirty. How many, you know, uh, like, execs? Bosses, yeah. Yeah, how many bosses do that? Not yeah, many. That's, that's Vince McMahon-like commitment. But then you could also argue that he seems to be micromanaging shit a bit, and that probably gets real annoying with your boss breathing down your fucking neck. That's Vince McMahon-like commitment. Exactly. He really, this whole movie is a movie about Vince McMahon. Oh, man, Oliver Reed as Vince McMahon. Oh, god damn it. How did we miss that? <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. And, like, the guy that nearly sexually assaults Gudrun until uh, Gerald quote unquote saves her, but all yeah. he kind of does is, like, oh, hello. And then he walks away. He basically just makes his presence known, and the guy realizes this is the fucking boss, and he better scram. Yeah. What do you think the movie is trying to say in regards to Laura and Timmy? Because the t the couple that marries at the beginning and then they end up dying in the in mm. the lake in the river, um, because like you said, every time we see them, they're very close together. They're making out. They're, they're having great fun. They're fingering whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they're fucking. Um, and then they die yeah. doing that. Like, do you think the movie's trying to make some sort of weird? I, I think statement? the movie's trying to say that happiness is impossible and we shouldn't try. It's a, it's I, I wouldn't argue that yeah. with you. It seems it's <laughs> it's pretty fucking bleak. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. The only people that seem to have any joy in the movie are killed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the relationships between people, I mean, like, uh, Gudrun and... Oh, the names. Gudrun and Gerald yeah. are have a really, real strange kind of relationship, mm. even from the beginning. Um, I noticed one thing that I thought was interesting is um, when she kind of... She didn't, like, hit him, but she, like, taps him or whatever. And he says, oh, you struck the first blow. Yeah. And for some reason, because I knew I was watching a movie in the 70s, 60s, I thought Oliver was just going to slug her. And yeah. Like, I, mean, I mean, we watch this sporting life, so it's... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's that where we think it's going. But then I also thought, oh, you struck the first blow. And then 
And then uh, she says, and I shall strike the last. And yeah. she does, because Fucking... she ultimately drives him to suicide. Well, I mean, no, I, 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 don't I don't like no, to say it like on. that. It's no. not like she intentionally drives him to kill himself. No, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, her actions yes. are the last thing that pushes him over the edge. Although... Regardless of whether... I'm not blaming her character. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that well, is... I, I wouldn't say pushes him over the edge so much as, as briefly walks past him and slightly brushes him and he falls off the edge. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's, it, I think that's foreshadowing. Yeah, for sure. So and, and we go to Rupert and Hermione, and he hates her because she's, he finds her boring. Mm-hmm. No, she does, She's not spontaneous. Yeah. Everything about her is phony, which I... I mean, I get. Yeah. Like, I think he treats her a little harsher than he needs to. He does, but she's also very boring and not entertaining at all, and she has bad, bad art that she does. And <laughs> right, but I think he treats her pretty. Awful. Oh no, he does treat her like shit for sure. She doesn't deserve that. Um, to the point where where she hits him with the. I think also like when she hits him with that little what is it like a little statue thing? I think it's a paperweight. It's like paperweight? a glass paperweight. Yeah. When she hits him with it. I think he's almost happy in a way because yeah. it's something unexpected. And it frees him. Yeah. To the point where he takes off his clothes and wanders through the woods, dong out. That's a really weird scene. Yeah, it's very strange. This film is available on YouTube, by the way, in its entirety. In full. In full. So check it out. Oh, let's let's listen to a little bit of Ursula because Ursula kind of has a scene where she has a little bit of a freak out because I think Rupert says something along the lines of like he went back to see Hermione for a second. Yeah. Not to like be with her, but to kind of you know, wrap things up, I yeah. guess, or whatever. I forget what the details were, but Ursula has a little bit of a reaction to this. Mm, and yeah, I wanna... she's not happy about it. Yeah, let's play, let's listen to this. If you weren't such a fool, you'd know that one could be decent even when one is wrong. It was wrong of me to go on all that time with her. It was a deathly process. But after all, one can have a little human decency. But no, you must tear my soul out with your jealousy at the very mention of her name. I? Jealous? She means nothing to me, not that. It's what she stands for that I hate her, her lies and her falseness. It's death. But you want it, don't you? You can't help yourself. Well, then you, you go and get it. That's what I say. But don't come to me. I've got nothing to do with it. Oh, you are a fool. Yes. Yes, I am a fool. And thank God for it. I'm too big a fool to swallow your cleverness. You go to your women, your spiritual brides, or aren't they common and fleshy enough? No, no, you're not satisfied, are you? You'd marry me for your everyday use and keep your spiritual brides for tripping off into the beyond. Oh, yes, yes, I know your dirty little game. You think I'm not as spiritual as Amani. Well, Amani's a fishwife, a fishwife. So you go to her, that's what I say, go to her. In her soul, she's as common as dirt. And all the rest is just pretense. But you love it. Do you think I don't know the foulness of your sex life and hers? Well, I do. And it's that foulness that you want, you liar. Well, have it. Have it. Have it. You're such a liar. She's a little bit upset. She is upset. She's being a little dramatic, but also he's being dramatic too. And, and they're they're made for each other. Those two. Okay, and I'll <laughs> I'll clear this up a little bit because I know I said very generally after the Japanese wrestling scene, fuck this movie. Yeah. 
the thing that's hard for me is like I can't get a grip on anyone. Mm-hmm. I can't get a hold of it. I don't know who anyone is in this movie at yeah. this point. I feel like they they just like ruminate for like five yeah. minutes on nothing, and I just don't care. Yeah, it's it's, it's all this. It's a lot of this weirdness in the movie. It's for sure. so like, and I know like Don't Look Now was like a weird movie, but I could I knew what was going on, and I could understand. They weren't ta- they were talking like people. Mm-hmm. Like they sounded like real people yeah. when they talk in this movie. Like who the fuck? Oh, this is who the fuck talks like that? <laughs> who the fuck talks like that? Like, uh, honestly. Well, I, you know what? I, I look at it. I, I can I, justify I get the, it. I get what kind of movie it is. But no, I but just... I, I can justify it from the sense that these are pretentious upper class people. These are... Yeah. Because think of how often Alan Bates used the word one. And that's one a, must think and one must do. And that's another thing that made me not like any of them. Mm. Because I was just like, all of you are awful people. And maybe that's maybe that's kind of the point, that you and me, as, as people that are not English aristocrats, we look at these people and we're just like, what are these fucking idiots even doing? And maybe aristocrats relate more to this sort of thing, but... Not that these people are necessarily aristocrats, but they're certainly upper class, uh, I would say, people. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it can be frustrating hearing rich people talk because they're idiots. <laughs> so later in the movie, uh, there's a there's a bit, you know, Gerald and Rupert have this very homoerotic relationship, mm. this strong friendship. Mm. And there's even a scene later where, um, during the ski trip, Gerald is starting to catch on that, like, because Gudrun is confronting him a little bit, like, do you actually love me? Like, mm. and I think we're going to play that clip in a second here. But... He even at that point Gerald believe buys into it so much that he even questions Rupert. Yeah. Because Rupert is like, "Well, you you know that I love you, and you know we're leaving because we're leaving. No, I'm not like you know." And he says, "Do you? Do you actually?" So it's like he doesn't. He's starting to uh, buy into the cynicism of love. Yeah. I guess it's like he thinks that Rupert doesn't like it's not it's not real. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to play the scene here where Gudrun basically confronts him and is like, "You don't love shit. You yeah. don't love me." Let's hear it. Maybe he loves shit. I don't know. How much do you love me? How much do you think I love you? I don't know. But what's your opinion? Very little indeed. Why don't I love you? Well, I don't know why you don't. I've been good to you. When you first came to me in that fearful state, I had to take pity on you, but... It was never love. Why do you keep repeating it that there was never any love? <laughs> you don't think you love, do you? No. You don't think you can love me, do you? I don't know what you mean by the word love. Oh, yes, you do. You know very well that you have never loved me. Well, have you, do you think? No. And you never will love me, will you? Why do you torture me? Oh, I don't want to torture you. Just say you love me. Say you will love me forever. Won't you? Won't you say it? Won't you say you will love me always, even if you don't mean it, but say it, Gerald, do. Fancy or actually having said it. Damn. Yeah, so she's basically like, yeah, you don't love me. 
You uh, you think you do, but you don't even know what love is. And he kind of I want to know what too. love is. I want Ollie to show me. Let's have a drink and find out about it. Okay, Oliver Reed. Yes. Mm. Oh, Oliver, where are your hands going? Look, I don't know what love is, but the I'm, one thing I do know is where a penis is located. I'm so. numb from the knees up. <laughs> God damn it. So yeah, I don't know. I like I I could say a lot. I've got notes here and like I've got things that I don't understand. Like I don't understand the whole thing with uh, the the German the German guy's name is Lurky or Lurk. It's like L O E R K E. That sounds like oh Lurk Lurk Lurk. Lurk. Yeah. And I don't like I don't like that whole thing where they're like pretending to be in character or something. That's like, very very weird. Yeah, they're like around. dressing up and like I'm a homosexual artist. Yeah, but but I'm in the closet or so he says yeah, something yeah. like that. But I'm, it's a secret from my wife, and yeah. she's yeah, like, yeah. dressed as like Cleopatra or something. And I'm just like, and, and like there's a scene where there's a bit where he's dropping like ash from his cigar to like Ursula's dessert. Yeah, well, he's, 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 he's up on top of the. He's sitting on the windowsill with his feet on the table, and he's got one shoe on, one shoe yeah. off. <laughs> Which again, like it's just everyone in this movie. I'm just like I hate everyone. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen movies where I don't like any. Like I don't like anyone, yeah. but I still like the movie because it's engaging. And I just was not into the second hour at all. I don't think you are are off base at all to think that. I I, I don't feel that way. I That's fine. I enjoyed it, but I think no. you're I think you're you're in the right. I, I can understand why you would feel that way. I am glad we have found a movie that we sort of disagree on. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, fuck you, Jason. I mean, Fight I don't, me. I don't like, don't look now nearly as much as you do. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, yeah, but you weren't like, like no, me. I didn't hate it. No. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about this? Uh, uh, I want to say that Rupert smokes a ridiculous wizard pipe in the scene where Hermione is doing her dance, <gasps> and that just made me go, "Come on, you really are a fucking prick Alan, smoking that pipe." Alan Bates could have been Gandalf. He could have been. Oh. He was still alive in two thousand three, so he definitely could have been. I mean, he died in 2003. I mean, he was alive in 2003, and then he wasn't. Well, they filmed all of them in, like, 99. Exactly. So he could have done it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was sick at the time, but I don't. I didn't keep up on Al Bates' health Why the, the fuck not? I had other things to worry about, like... Like Oliver Reed's health. Well, mainly when Free Space 2 was coming out, because, you know, it was in 1999, and I was 15, and that was what I wanted, was to send Free Space 2, but... And Oliver Reed's health. Yeah. Well, I, Alan Bates' health. Oliver Reed's health was fine until it wasn't. Okay. Anything else? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed the scene where the little kid was uh, drinking the beer. The old man had her on her lap, and she's like, "Oh, what time? What a drink!" He's like, "Well, you can just have a little drink." And then she like takes a few swigs, and then some more swigs. And, and it's nineteen sixty nine, so it's probably real. Yeah, it's probably fine. She's probably drinking real ale. I mean, it was probably the brown ale she drank at home. Um, let's see. Oh, he was fondling a tree in that scene, which was kind of funny. Oh yeah, when he was naked. Um. The coal mines were something I appreciated. Uh, let's see here. We got... Um, oh, when Rupert says, uh, Oh, death, there's nothing better. I just wanted to fucking punch him. Yeah, he sounded like such a teenage thing to say. He talks about death, and then he says something along the lines of, like, uh, I don't mind death. I just don't like when, when death clings to people living. Yeah. Basically, he doesn't like grief. Yeah. He just uh, doesn't like... He doesn't thinks, believe in grief. Yeah, because after Laura and Tibby pass... He doesn't really comment on it. Yeah, no, he's just, he's, he moves on with his life. Yeah, very quickly. The Alps were very pretty. Yeah. Like, here's the thing, like, this film is shot fairly well, and the acting is good. 
You ready for another hot take, Jason? Do it, Brendan. This is gonna hit me. Oh, this, I don't know if this will shock you, but it shocked me a little bit. Yeah. I don't believe the English patient is on the bottom of my list anymore. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's how I feel about this. That is that's intense. And I, I, I like I said. I did kind of enjoy parts of the first half, mm-hmm. but there are also like a few things in the English Patient that I like too, yeah. like the acting for her, obviously. But like the second half just killed this dead mm-hmm. for me, I and understand. it. Yeah, I think it's skyrocket, like the opposite of skyrocket, plummets, plummets, plummets to the bottom of my list so far. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's eighty-seven on the uh, the base list, so yeah. So it's, I mean, it's not going down a whole lot. But yeah, this is. Um... I, I would not say that. I think this movie I, is I far better than The English Patient. Uh, <laughs> because because surprised. watching The English Patient was <laughs> minute minute after minute watching that movie was a slog. And, and and you probably felt that way for the last hour of this movie, but I surprisingly I expected this movie to be a slog for some reason. I just what little I knew of it and then, you know, like I say, the 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 compelling performances of those two gentlemen uh, made me want to watch it and finish it. Yeah. And I, well, I, I hope so. Yeah, and for I, the podcast. Yeah, exactly. You know and what, Brendan? I'm just not into this. I'm just not into this I'm movie. Gonna I'm just going to say it's terrible, and we're just going to not talk about it. <laughs> the top 99 movies of all time. And Women in Love 8-1. And Women in Love 8-1 of them. That's our new rap song. <laughs> yeah. If you got Brit movies, I feel bad for you, son. I've got 99 hits, but Women in Love ain't. Wow. Nah. James Hetfield showed up there for a sec. One. What were you going to say? What was I going to say? I don't even remember. It was a long time ago, Brendan. Let's rewrite the tape. Put bananas in my butt. Do you remember that? No, but i got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. i got to check some shit, so to speak. Holy shit. No, and like the thing for me with this movie is that, like, I guess the whole thing is that it starts to wear thin on Maybe, maybe it's starting to wear thin because, like, I can appreciate that it's shot kind of differently and it's, like, unique in the way it's, like, directed, cinematography, and maybe there's just too much of it. That by the time the second hour rolls around, I'm just, like, worn out. And I just, if the second hour had been, like, half as, as engaging as the first one, I would it would have been probably fine. I totally understand. Just let me get this banana out of my ass first. Are you good? I got it. All I'm right. coming back now. All right, come back. Oh, I feel so much better to sit down. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. I I, I, I understand your perspective. Why is the banana still in your ass? Oh, wait. Oh, that's just a... It's a different one. Oh, okay. right. It's a green one. I wanted to, I wanted to ripen up. Ah, uh, gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. Checks out. Checks out, absolutely. All right, James. Let's just... Like everyone that's listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are they let's talking about? close the book on this bit and maybe close the book on this fucking movie. Well, let's talk about the critique of this movie. Yes, because, yes. Uh, I want to hear what the critics had to say about it. Besides me... <laughs> What did they this, think? Surprisingly, this thing goes to the Oscars. Uh, okay, maybe I'm being harsh, but it goes to the Oscars. Give me the noms. The nominations. The nomi- the nominations that it gets. Okay, it doesn't win these ones, but it's nominated for Best Cinematography. Okay. Uh, the winner that, that year is a movie called Ryan's Daughter. Uh, Ryan's Son is also nominated. Does not win. Just kidding. That's a joke. So <laughs> yeah. what we the business call a joke. Uh, it's nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. The winner that year is MASH. The movie MASH. I guess that was adapted from a novel. That's a good movie, but it, it does no plot. Yeah. Yeah, it's very episodic, which is funny. Donald because, Sutherland, come on. There you go. Very episodic, which is funny, because then it became a TV show yeah. after. Which I always thought the TV show came first. Anyway, that's another story. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, best Director it's nominated for, for um, Ken, Russell? Ken Russell. The other nominees that year were Freder- Federico Fellini 
for Fellini Satyricon, a movie that I will never watch again in my life. <laughs> uh, Arthur Hiller for Love Story. Robert Altman for MASH, and the winner that year was Franklin J. Schaffner for uh, for Patton. I was oh, good God, I, Patton's a fucking awesome movie. I almost said Patoon. Is Patton on this list? It is not a British film. No? About an American general? It's not a British film? No. Damn it. But, uh... Your job is not to die for your country. Your job is to make the other poor bastard die for his. If our future podcast idea comes to fruition, oh, we may see we might that. Oh, And one win at the Oscars... Best Actress for Glenda Jackson. Yeah, hey, great. Uh, who else was nominated that year? Do you know? I think I looked it up, and it wasn't any people okay. that I recognized. Well, Glenda Jackson, congratulations. Uh, you're still alive, as is the other girl, woman. <laughs> Jenny Linden? Jenny Linden, yeah. Both of them are still alive. Oh, so but Alan Bates and Oliver Reed are not. No, and it's probably for the best. Girl power. Girl power. You can outlive the old men. I did the Black, Black Power Fist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At, okay, here's the thing. At the... British film awards. The only ones that really matter. The BAFTAs. Yeah, the BAFTAs. I said British film awards. <laughs> I actually wrote that at the BFIs, but that's not what they were called. <laughs> no, it's not at all. It doesn't win a goddamn thing. Wow. But it's nominated for a million awards. Nominated for Best Film, Best Director, Best Lead Actor, Alan Bates, Best Actress, uh, Glenda Jackson, Best Screenplay, Best Film Music, Best Cinematography, Best Production Design, Costume Design, Sound, and Most Promising Newcomer for Jenny Linden. And uh, a special award for uh, the advancement of Dong's Out photography. Yes, that was the uh, the Alec Guinness Memorial Award, even Absolutely. though it was only 1970 and he was still alive. I'm still alive. Why did they do this to me? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings, Mr. Guinness. Oh, that's a word I've not heard in a long time. A long time. Why is Alec still in the studio? Goodbye. Oh. He just floated away on a... Well, he he is a ghost, I guess, so it makes sense that he would just kind of float away. Well, why did he take an umbrella like Mary Poppins? Wasn't that his thing? Wasn't he John Steed? Sure. He should have played John... Imagine if Alec Guinness had to play John Steed in, like, a real Avengers movie. No, but imagine if he had been old enough to play... If he had uh, lived to 1998. He did. Oh, well, then he should have just played He should have done it, yeah. Oh, my God. He didn't die until 2000. Him and Uma Thurman? Yeah. Did you know that when Alec Guinness died, I didn't I've know? I've not seen Uma Thurman's tits in a long time. When a Al- long time. Alec Guinness died, and I did not know that he was dead until I saw the Oscars and saw him pop up in the memoriam. I was like, what the fuck? How did I not hear about that? And you cried for hours. I was very sad. But he was old, so it wasn't like it was unsurprising. Oh, it was surprising. It wasn't surprising. <laughs> it was unsurprising because he was old. And that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> All right, Forrest, let's move on to the end of here. Uh, is that on the list? <laughs> no! Damn it! Final thoughts. Women in Love is number 87. Yep. It should be really number 870 mm-hmm. uh, on the BFI Top 100. And, I, and like I said, I'm of two minds about this movie. I like parts of the first hour mm-hmm. to some degree. Uh, but the second half of the movie kills this thing for me. Becomes so fucking obtuse. Characters seem to shift their philosophies so often that I couldn't even be bothered to care about anyone in this movie. And I just it's I just found this movie very hard to care about in general. Yeah. I had a hard time with it. And I while I appreciate some of the artistic qualities of the movie, it was just one of those fucking two it's just too artsy fartsy for yeah. me. I, I Yeah, it, it it's interesting but not necessarily entertaining. I'm almost mad at myself for not liking a lot of it. 
Do you know what I mean? I know, I know. What you like, mean, I feel but, like I should like a movie like this. Yeah, but it's okay. Sometimes you don't like, like we don't like the English Patient, and a lot of people do. Yeah, it's true. A lot of people really like that movie. It is acclaimed. Yeah, it is. I mean, it won the Best Picture Oscar that year. I mean, right. I'm not going to say that every movie that's ever won a Best Picture Oscar is the greatest movie ever made, but should have been Avastad. Goddamn it! Usually means something when yeah. you win that. Like it means it's usually a pretty good movie. I mean, but is Shakespeare in love on this list? Yes. Yeah. So we'll fi- we'll, we'll find get, out. Yeah, yeah we'll if find that holds out. up exactly. <laughs> I, I would say that, the, you know, this, yeah, the, as a movie, it's not that great, but man, it is A, free on YouTube for the time being, and <laughs> don't report it, and B, it's worth watching again simply for the performances of Oliver Reed and Alan Bates. They kept me going through this whole thing, they kept me wanting to watch it, and even though the movie got weird and wasn't that good, those two made this thing for me, and I highly recommend, anybody's interested in, in good acting, watch this movie, and, and watch these two gentlemen, one of whom has got to be like completely medically drunk the entire time and still manages to pull off an amazing performance. And I will say watch the first half because it has a great ending. That's right. <laughs> yeah. If you, remember, just watch it to the to the naked wrestling scene and then cut it off there and go go back to your room, come yourself, and then go to bed. Oh, come. I mean, just, when you said come yourself, I was come like, yourself. what the yeah. fuck is to come myself? <laughs> hey, hey, asshole, go come yourself. <laughs> I'm going to tell people to do that now. Please. Go come yourself. <laughs> Why don't you take a trip to the bathroom and just go fucking cum go yourself? Cum yourself. <laughs> Clean up when you're done. <laughs> or don't, whatever. Oh, I mean, however you want to live. It's in your own body. We're not going to tell you how to live. <laughs> so that is our motto. But Jason, now this is normally the time where we roll some dice. Yeah. Let's see what however, our next movie would be. However, Jason had an idea. I did. And he had I a don't dream. have very many. I, I did have a dream. <laughs> it so came to me in a dream. It was one of his, It was one of the best I had a dream speeches I've ever heard. And we won't repeat it now. Because Top five. Because A, I don't remember it, and B, it would probably be real offensive. <laughs> right. So Jason had an idea. Of, many of these mo- the movies on this list, of yeah. the BFI Top 100, have had... Some of, that, some of them have had sequels. Yeah. And some, of the, some of them have had remakes. And we've talked a lot about those, and we, or we've at least mentioned them, such as with Henry V. We mentioned yep. the Kenneth Branagh remake of that from 89. Right. Uh, we, uh, we, we know there's a sequel to Room at the Top. Yep. Uh, we know that uh, uh, this movie, in fact, has a, a prequel in the form of a well. Pre- uh, this is this movie was a sequel to a book called The Rainbow, which then I believe Ken Russell later made it. Yeah, there was like, even a TV a TV miniseries made of both of these stories as one. Yep. So there are a lot of connections to yeah. a lot of these movies, and so what we're gonna do is for the next month, for the month of July. We are going to do episodes on five of those. Yes. So, should we list them what we're going to do? The Summer of Sequels. Well, we don't have... I mean, we, we could tell them one at a time. Okay, so... We, we don't want you to load yourself up with all five movies right now and then forget about them when you get to them. Right. When you get okay. to us. Like, when we get to them. I don't know what I'm saying. It's very late and I'm very tired. Well, what, we, what are you talking about? It's three in the afternoon. <laughs> so, next week, we are going to be talking about the remake... The television remake mm-hmm. of The Go-Between. Now, The Go-Between, as you remember, was 1971, and this one is 2015. Yeah, and and if you remember, The Go-Between was a was a pretty like a, a pretty movie, and but you know not not the best one we've watched. And I mean, uh, we had our, our our friend Julie Christie in it, and Alan Bates, who we who really went to the moon in this movie, but yep. didn't really do it for me in that one. I, I, uh, that scene was really weird, though, where he went to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's strange. To the moon, yeah. Rupert. I shall take you to the moon with my dog. <laughs> Bang! Zoom! To the moon with my dog! <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, so that's going to be next week. We're going to be talking about the 2015 remake of The Go-Between. And yeah. Yeah, so that should be fun. Um, and at the end of this month, I wanted to call it the Summer of Sequels, but it's, I mean, they're not sequels, all of them. They're like remakes or, or reinterpretations or um, uh, maybe a traced copy, perhaps. <laughs> like, oh, oh, that's a great idea. What if we took an old movie, Brennan, and we just rotoscoped it and then re-released it? You fucking traitor. So it would look like it would look like we made like a sequel to Scanner Darkly, but it was like it, but it's the go between. And that little kid's head just fucking melts. Thank you. You're doing the Orson Welles clap? Yes. Good stuff. Of the famous gif. Yes. Anyway. Having said all that, so next week the go between 2015. Check that out if you can. I mean, it's probably somewhere. Uh, but for, but despite all that, you can also follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Screen and Country. You can also find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can also follow Jason on Twitter. At Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Check me out on Twitter. Was there something else you needed? No, I just wanted to stare at you for oh, a while okay. and admire your beauty. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Would you consider pledging your love to me? <laughs> Something I, eternal, something deeper I than what you know, have with Mariah. Cause... I need to know more about what it is first. Uh, well, I mean, it might involve some some dongs out wrestling and maybe some dongs out movie watching. What did you say? Not since Stav- Savage and Steamboat? Not since Savage and Steamboat has there been a match like this. <laughs> <laughs> that was my text to Brendan after seeing that scene. <laughs> I laughed for five minutes. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, anyway, that's going to do it. So, all I have to say is... God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I am the human known as Brendan. And I am Jason with his dong out. Let's wrestle. <laughs> yep. Let's wrestle with our dongs out. What is With that in the, being wait, s- in the future, do you think you think art museums will have like 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 paintings on the wall, but there'll be like certain gifts that yeah. are like important to society? Unfortunately, I really do. Are we going to see like like uh, some of the old like the original memes? Do you not know what they're already doing with DVD covers? What are they doing with DVD covers? Uh, a lot of classic movies now. They're 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 releasing them with slip covers over. So like for Jaws, for example, yeah, it says Jaws, and then it says you're going to need a bigger boat in like big letters. Out of, like they put like a quote. For each movie, huh. each classic movie, it's really weird. I mean, I guess if you're trying to like trigger somebody's memory to be like, "Oh, the bigger boat movie," yeah, like, I'll watch but, that. But like the one for Fletch is, and you said you're gonna use the whole fist, Doc. <laughs> that's funny, but it's a weird fucking because that's what I remember from Fletch. You remember that classic quote? <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I want to see the Star Wars one, which the quote is just like, "Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper?" <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what would women in love be like? Oh, uh, uh, it was, uh, well, the one for women in love would definitely be, was that too much for you? <laughs> Wrestle me, Rupert. Tongs <laughs> right. out. 
It's late, it's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-last plot holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steven Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com